This is episode number 144 of the Ruby on Rails podcast, a conversation with Mike Parham. The podcast is supported by workonrails.com. If you have a job to promote, you can list it for free with the code RELAUNCH. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Sean. Well, thanks for uh, joining me this morning to talk about uh, Sidekick 3.0, the announcement that you just put out. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. It's great to be here. All right. So before we dive into those details, why don't you give us uh, uh, a little bit of a, a background about you and, and about Sidekick? Sure. Uh, I'm Mike Param, a longtime Ruby open source developer. Uh, I've been maintaining lots of gyms over the over the last oh, half a dozen years or so, and uh, uh, probably most widely known for Dolly, and then now, of course, the, the Sidekick family of gyms, I guess you might say. Um, uh, I, I have, I, I was spreading myself very thin with a lot of different gyms, and uh, I've decided to focus on Sidekick for the next couple of years. So, um, a lot of my work on other stuff has has kind of tailed off. But uh, you know, the asynchronous processing and, and job processing is is actually something I, I have a, a very strong interest in. So I, I'm really enjoying it. So, how did Sidekick come to be in the first place? Well, <clears throat> it's funny. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago, um, job processors were kind of like ORM layers 15 years ago uh, in that every company you went to, everybody was rolling their own because everyone had this need and the uh, existing uh, options out there just weren't very good. So uh, you had things like delayed job show up on the scene and kind of just blew everyone away because it was, you know, what a lot of people were looking for. Uh, of course, it had its own limitations, and so something like Rescue came along and, again, um, kind of set the standard for uh, for what you could do. And uh, my work in Sidekick just came out of, of uh, the limitations inherent in Rescue and, and the way it works. Um, you know, we I, I had worked at a uh, worked with a client who found most of their machine's memories being consumed by dozens and dozens of rescue processes. And uh, so that can get very expensive very quick. So uh, Sidekick came out of rescue's inherent memory limitations. Um, I, I multi-threaded their rescue and saved them. Um, I think, I don't remember what it was, but it was close to an order of magnitude in terms of number of machines they needed to use. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what um, kicked off the whole... <laughs> No pun intended. Kicked off the whole sidekick thing, <laughs> right? So the, I think the thing that that's most uh, noticeable about sidekick when you're first you know, using it is the the multi-threading, all the concurrent um, workers that that kick up. Um, mm -hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about that. Was was this your first gem that that um, that was built, you know, sort of on top of that model that was you know highly concurrent and dealing <laughs> with threads, or was this something that you had sort of long been um, familiar with? Um, that's actually a good question. I, I've been playing with different concurrency models for uh, for several years before that, actually, believe it or not. Um, I I started doing single-threaded, like like Delay Job and Rescue. Uh, I wrote my own system called Jobber that was single-threaded like that, and I found the exact same problems. That is really inefficient. <clears throat> I then uh, started playing with Event Machine and found that its, uh, its callback uh, style of programming just very uh, foreign to me as a Rubyist. 
where we're used to synchronous blocking APIs. So I, I actually started using fibers in Event Machine to make it look uh, like a blocking API call. And that worked, but it was really brittle and uh, incredibly painful to debug. So um, I, I realized after a few months that that wasn't going to work out either. So I started playing with threads, and of course threads are, are very hard to use correctly um, and, and kind of a very dangerous API. So I uh, started looking for an abstraction, and that's when I came across actors. And so actors uh, you know, abstract away the threads and, and make for a little cleaner, easier programming and safer programming model. So uh, I actually wrote a gem called Girl Friday, which used Rubinius's actor package. And that worked out okay, but Girl Friday itself was uh, a design that... I, I made some design uh, mistakes there that made it a little harder to support than I wanted to. So when I, when I started fresh with Sidekick, uh, I went to Celluloid instead of the Rubinius actor package. Um, just because I know Tony and I and I respect him a lot, and I know that actors are one of his passions, so uh, I knew that he would do a great job with celluloid. So uh, that's what uh, that's what I based Sidekick on. So for those that are that are unfamiliar with the code in Sidekick, so give us an idea of where celluloid stops and where Sidekick picks up. Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, celluloid is is core to Sidekick in that it manages all the threads. Um, there is not, uh, there's not a single mutex in the Sidekick code base. I don't have to do any, huh. any locking at all. Uh, Celluloid hides all of that for me, which is great. Um, the Sidekick uh, core object model uh, is really very simple. It's, it's a couple actors that are basically just chatting back and forth to each other. There's a manager actor that is the, I guess you might say, the core uh, object. And he talks to an actor that fetches from Redis, fetches jobs from Redis. And he also talks to the set of processors, threads that actually execute jobs. So as processors finish a job, they contact the manager saying, I'm, I'm free now. The manager then uh, makes a call to the fetcher to say, please request a job for this processor. And so on, and it's just back and forth like that, uh, all twenty four seven. So not a single mutex. Mutex. That's that's yeah. wild to me. Exactly. It's it's uh, heavily multi-threaded, and yet not a single lock. Hmm. So, uh, where do you imagine uh, celluloid could be used effectively by by Ruby and Rails programmers in their projects that they're not using it right now? Um. Well, I'm. I, I still think, even though celluloid makes things easier, it's still a mistake for people to widely build their own um, multi-threaded infrastructure. I think it's I think things are a lot easier to deal with when you stick with known architectural patterns, like the HTTP request response, mm -hmm. which is inherently single-threaded. Right, you get a request in, and then you generate the response for it. Um, or, for instance, the, the background job pattern where you get a message and you process the, um, the message as necessary, which is what Sidekick gives you. In both cases, the user who's using the, uh, the app server or Sidekick, the Sidekick framework, 
in both cases, they're just building single-threaded code. Right? It has to be thread-safe, but it doesn't have to be inherently multi-threaded and to deal with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, to me, multi-threaded people dealing with threads really should be dealing with infrastructure, should be building infrastructure for application developers. And, and Sidekick is just another example of that. It's, it's application infrastructure. Um, and hopefully end developers are not, are still aren't necessarily making their own threads. Yeah, the, actors. I definitely follow that, that uh, kind of wisdom and that, you know, if, if I was going to write something that would require threads, I, I just use Sidekick. I think the only thing that comes up that can be a little challenging there is is managing the the uh, priority order of the queues. You know, you, you yeah. have to make sure you can throw them on a queue that's going to get worked if you're expecting it to come back in some amount of time. But right, well, I mean, there's there's <clears throat> there's tools at varying levels of um, utility and for slightly different use cases, like the parallels gym or the, the parallel gym. Uh, um, I think it's is, par- parallel single, yeah. Parallel gym, yeah, it's that's a fantastic gem for doing stuff in things like rake rake tasks. Mm-hmm. If you want to um, quickly spin up like five threads to to hit uh, a third party API in parallel, uh, you don't need the the uh, I quote unquote heavyweight. Uh, you don't need a, a heavyweight sidekick process. Um, you can just do it in, in a quick rake task, and uh, and that way you're still not dealing with threads. You're still not dealing with locks. And the API that that gen exposes is very simple and straightforward. Yeah, I really like it. I think that it's nice that they have the. Oh, I'm going to forget. It. There's the in threads and in. Yeah, in, in threads and in in processes or something. Yeah, I think it's really and it's like a a, a really small yeah. API and it does exactly what you want. I think it's a good it's a good recommendation. Yeah. yeah, the the actually the hardest part of building Sidekick itself and it's multi threaded. This has been shut down, believe it or not. Hmm. Shutdown has taken probably 75% of the time that I've spent on Sidekick has just been dealing with shutting down a stupid process and wow. getting all the threads quiet and getting all the jobs pushed back onto Redis safely. It, it's For some reason, it's just incredibly complex. So tell, uh, like, tell me more about that. Is that... Is that um... Well, you know, the smell of something else, or is it something <laughs> inherent to to the problem? It, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure the answer to that. Um, you know, when the process is in a steady state and, and things are just cruising along, it, everything's good and everything's easy. Um, but when you want to shut down, all of a sudden, you've got some threads that that just aren't finished and they're not going to finish, and you got to kill them somehow, and uh, and then you've got to. You've got uh, the race condition where some threads will finish right as the manager is finishing and trying to shut down Sidekick. Hmm. So uh, yeah, it, it's there's there's more than one hack in the Sidekick so, uh, code base around shutdown <laughs> for that reason. So to what extent do you feel like you've conquered that that problem now? You know, it, <clears throat> it, there's, there's probably, it's probably never going to be safe to, to say with every confidence that, uh, that it's finished. But um, uh, John Hyman is one of my uh, collaborators on Sidekick, and he's done a fantastic job at uh, really digging in and, and figuring out uh, where Sidekick has been leaving jobs behind and that sort of thing. And he, 
he's a huge user of uh, just Hidekick doing like he he was telling me the other day that he does a peak of eight thousand jobs a second. Wow. With Sidekick and uh he's been testing it in production and he it's gone in the last couple months from definitely leaving some jobs behind when it shuts down to uh, you know, a hundred percent of the jobs getting back into Redis safely. Hmm. So uh yeah, it was uh he's been great on that and, and a lot of that was just simply shut down issues. I like his uh I like his pull request. I don't read everything in Sidekick, but I'm a I'm a pretty active user and I've kind of come and come and gone from paying attention to the to the pull request, but his are his are really good. I think they're they're uh, real detailed, and he has a seems to have a knack for finding corner <laughs> cases. And and I think he's probably got a sense of of me and how I deal with pull requests. And the more info you can give me, the better, of course. But uh, but yeah, it, uh, he's been uh, invaluable over the last couple of months. Yeah. So let's rewind a little bit and talk about sort of the progression of Sidekick from from initial launch to the Sidekick 3.0 release that we're going to talk about in a bit. You know, what's the timeline and you mm-hmm. know, what are the key milestones inside of it? Sure. Uh, well, Sidekick 1.0 came out, oh golly, I don't know when, I think, I think about two years ago, sometime in the spring two years ago. <clears throat> um, and that was just... It was good enough to ship, and I think it contained a lot of what Rescue shipped with, so I thought, oh, this is good enough for 1.0. 2.0 came along and had uh, scheduled jobs, so you could think, say things like perform in, in 45 minutes or something like that. And then, uh, and then it's been, it's been uh, about 18 months since 2.0 came out, and uh, I've just been... Slowly adding features, uh, slowly fixing bugs, and uh, and just building Sidekick into being the best job processor out there. I mean, bar none. I I think I think there's a lot of other systems that can say that we have a more <laughs> formally correct design, or uh, we are going to be able to process an order of magnitude more than Sidekick or, or something like that, but. When it when, when it comes right down to it, from an app developer's point of view, I think Sidekick has the the most functionality and sort of best integrated system uh, to hit the ground running and do a lot of stuff very quickly. And it's, that's been that's been my my number one goal. It seems like there are only two common uh, criticisms that I hear. I think one is is seems sort of fair to me, and one doesn't seem fair at all to me, but. Mm-hmm. The, the two that I hear are are the one that's unfair is some people have a trouble with the retry logic in Psychic, mm-hmm. which I think is I don't I think it's worth talking about because I don't totally understand the criticism sure. but I hear it so it's a it's definitely a thing. Um, and then the second that I think is more fair is 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 um, concerns about losing jobs. Right. Um, uh, and uh, you talked about that a little bit already, but I think there's more to talk about. So first, let's get the unfair one out of the way. Well, sure. Do you hear that too? And if you do, what, what's up with that criticism about retries? Uh, well, I, I don't hear it as a criticism of Sidekick itself. I hear it as people asking for a more flexible retry uh, system, a uh, more flexible error handling system. Right. And the the issue... The reason why I haven't done more in that regard is I think it would just put me on a treadmill 
of adding more and more knobs to Twiddle and making a more and more complex system. Uh, the, the idea behind Sidekick was, uh, you know, Sidekick's mantra has always been simple and efficient. And so the features that I add try and follow that. Um, so things like uh, following Rails's convention over configuration, I want to give a retry system that will work for 80% of the people out there, 90% of the people out there. We can, we can add you know, 10 or 15 different configuration parameters, but at the end of the day, you're just making this sort of Frankensteinian, super complex subsystem that's going to be really hard to test all those edge cases. And, and then someone will ask for a 16th knob to twiddle. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just the reality of it. So, you know, the retry system is, is a middleware, and Sidekick is designed to have pluggable middleware. Uh, there's no reason why people can't fork the retry logic and simply build, it, build something them, themselves. It, it literally is one class. Mm-hmm. So you, you fork one class, and you, uh, you remove what you don't want, and you add what you need, and you're done. Yeah, I think that most of the... the the chatter about it has to do with, with methods in the workers that, that aren't quite right. You know, that, that aren't handling their exceptions all that well, or there, there's some of that too. Um, you know, and, but that's just part and parcel of, of supporting a complex system like sidekick. Uh, you, you know, people are going to use it incorrectly. You've got to educate them, um, about the, you've got to lead them down the right path. Yeah. Right. So what about the second, the, the second criticism, which is that, you know, people believing that uh, sure. it's not reliable enough, I guess, as a, as a store for messages because they could, they could vanish mm-hmm. in, in um, seg faults or whatever. You know, let's talk about that a little bit. Is that you, you still think that's a sure. fair criticism and, you know, how should well, people think about that? Um, it's, it's fair in that it, it will happen. Um, you know, if you're running plain old sidekick and the system and the process crashes, um, you do lose those jobs because they're in memory only. Um, that, you know, obviously Sidekick Pro has the reliability plugins, which uh, should theoretically uh, fix that, um, barring withstanding any bugs, of course. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's sort of the way it was designed. Uh, and, and I did that because that's the way Rescue worked back in Sidekick 1.0. Uh, Mm-hmm. It, it just did a BL pop, so I did the same thing, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of sort of opens the question of you know what features are, should be free and what features go into Sidekick Pro. Am I holding people's reliability hostage? I don't like to think that I am, but it's <clears throat> I also have to have a set of features that are interesting for people to upgrade, mm-hmm. right? So you know I, that that's a tough call and. And at the end of the day, I spend lots and lots of hours on Sidekick, and I need to have some features that people are willing to pay for. Yeah, so how many, <laughs> how many hours do you spend? From the outside, it certainly looks like you spend a very consistent uh, amount of time every week. But, you know, I, I'm not sure yeah. if that's the case. Well, I, I, you know, my, my typical pattern is, work, is working on Sidekick every single night, whether that's supporting issues whether that's writing code or uh, reviewing PRs. 
um, especially in the last two, three months as I've been working on Sidekick 3.0. It's been every single night, um, you know, generally two or three hours working on, uh, on some new feature that, uh, in preparation. So, yeah, there's, it's, it's a constant effort. Um, you know, I, I have a full-time job at the climb, so I'm not generally working on it during the day, but, um, definitely nights and weekends are, uh, are a lot of sidekick. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the 3.0 feature list, given that you just brought it up again. Mm-hmm. So what's, uh, what's new? Well, um, one of the one of the other criticisms, which you didn't bring up, is that uh, Sidekick will just discard messages uh, if they don't process completely within three weeks, which is the the default retry uh, logic. So uh, that never really sat well with me. Um, I, I don't like losing jobs per se, especially in terms of a week time, you know, several weeks timeline. Um, that seems like still like kind of a short short time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's a new dead job queue, um, and and this is a common pattern in, in message queuing systems called the dead letter queue usually. Um, but it, it's basically if if a job doesn't process successfully, it'll eventually go into the dead job queue, and then it just sits there. And Sidekick ignores that that queue completely. Um, it's there in the UI for you to look at and examine the jobs and see if if uh, you can fix any of them or or if any of them are still relevant. But uh, it'll, it'll keep those, those failed jobs in the uh, dead job queue for up to six months so that you can retry them whenever they get fixed. Yeah, that's a nice feature. I, I, it's never occurred to me that I needed that just because I think I tend to look at them prior to when they would have um, vanished, but I, I totally get that idea. Well, and that's, that's exactly the whole retry process that Sidekick ships with is that you're... It integrates all this, all the error handling, all the error services, along with the retry logic, so that you can fix it within three weeks. Um, and if you're so, if you're not fixing it within three weeks, there's usually usually that's either very unusual, or there's something wrong. Um, but either way, you know, it's still that that one percent of the of the time. You know, maybe you're you might be seeing it. And I, and I did see some customers integrating other third party gems. Which did have did add a dead job queue to Sidekick, mm-hmm. so I thought, well, you know, if some customers are concerned about it and and want this, then maybe it's a good maybe it's something I should ship out of the box. So uh, that's when I decided to just pull the trigger and, and build the feature. So I'll ask this for each of the new features in 3.0, but how how big was the effort on dead jobs? Um, not it wasn't a huge lift. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the dead job queue in the UI looks, you know, almost identical to the retry page. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was just copying a bunch of UI code, um, translating some strings. So the, the UI is available in 15 different languages, so I had to add a bunch of strings and and uh, put out a call for, for my international band of translators to... Uh, <laughs> to get back to work. <laughs> so do you just do you just go to the community that use uses Sidekick and and appeal to yeah. people that speak whatever language to do it? Yeah, that's exactly it. I, uh, you know, anytime you're trying to to get a group of people to uh, to push something forward on your behalf, it, it's a really simple formula. You 
uh, write them something as short and as simple as possible, telling them exactly what to do. And here's how to do it as quickly as possible. And then just tweet it out. And, and generally, if it's really short and really simple, uh, you'll get a lot of help really quickly. That's fun. <laughs> so it, it worked out really well. I think I got about, I think I got about two-thirds of the languages covered. That's awesome. If, if not more. Aside from English, which is the most uh, um, important language, do you think, to psychic? Oh, I actually haven't the foggiest. <laughs> um, the European languages came over real quick when I asked for help. Uh, French, German, Italian. I think Italian was, was within about five minutes of me asking for help. So maybe maybe the Italians love their sidekick. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good proxy for, for importance or for usage is just how fast it got translated. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So dead jobs. Uh, is the translation new? Is the 15 new for 3.0 or have you had the... That stable of translations for a while. Uh, I added uh, I added localization in about twelve or about two ten or something like that two dot ten something around there. Uh, so it's been it's been translated for a good six months to a year. Um, but there's four new languages in three point uh, including Chinese, which I'm extremely happy to to get. Uh, you know, having a billion. Possible, <laughs> maybe not a billion, but having uh, you know millions and millions of, of Chinese developers uh, being able to use Sidekick in their native language is great. Yeah, very cool. Any uh, before we get on past that, any uh, gotchas in the localization process that are that were interesting? Uh, no, the again the only gotcha was just making things as clear as po- possible for people, so that because I found them repeating the same mistakes over and over that. Different people would just make the same mistakes because I wasn't clear about, hey, this is a variable, don't translate this, or don't forget you need to you need to change the string here too. Mm-hmm. Um, so just calling calling out the couple mistakes that that people made over and over made it so that the the process was 100% mistake free. Cool. All right. So dead jobs, four new languages. What else is what else is new? Uh, well, process heartbeat is a big one close to my heart because. The the way that Sidekick tracked current um, worker information was error prone in 2.0 or in 2.x, um, and that was it was just you know when I when I decided to to support that and, and show you know the current work worker set, um, I I basically just cloned what Red, uh, Rescue did, and that turned out to be. Um, less than ideal in that if a, uh, a process crashed, like seg faulted, it would leave its information in, in, res- in Redis forever. Hmm. And uh, so I got a lot of users saying, hey, why are these workers still active? Um, I've got thousands of workers active on this page, or uh, you know, all my sidekicks are shut down, and yet I've still got workers here. What, what's going on? So uh, I... I decided for 3.0 it was best to just completely rewrite that stuff and do a lot more um, sort of deep thinking on how best to structure the data structures in Redis to prevent these sorts of issues. So now uh, the the data in Redis has a, a very short time to live. 
so that if a process does go away, the information in Redis goes away very quickly also. So processes don't need to clean themselves up anymore. Um, the, the benefit there is that, yeah, if it crashes, uh, within a minute you'll see the process disappear from the, the set of, of active processes, which is great. That, that should uh, solve all the customer confusion that, that people are having. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I, uh, as part of that effort, I, I decided to mix the word worker now. Um, I think people use the word worker um, in very different ways. Different, different people mean different things when they say the word worker. So I've stopped using, I've tried to stop using it and instead just use process or thread or job. And uh, I hope that will also uh, belay some confusion. So how many dead jobs was process heartbeat in terms of uh, workload for you? <laughs> it sounds like it was a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually significantly harder than dead job. Um, yeah, like I said, dead job was half a dozen lines of code and then some, some UI work. Um, it was really that simple because dead job is just integrated into the retry jobs mm -hmm. uh, middleware. Um, uh, yeah, process heartbeat was was many nights of work. Um, I don't know. Maybe it might have been a week, a week or two mm. worth of work. Uh, it, it took a while to get right. Um, I had to do a lot more testing, and um, and to to actually write some some specs for it. Uh, it took me quite a while. The uh, the other big thing about process heartbeat was I had to redesign the uh, the workers API. So the uh, the API that'll give you the current set of workers in the system, the the U, the web UI just uses the Sidekick API, which and the Sidekick API understands the the underlying uh, Redis data structures. Mm -hmm. So when I redesigned the the data structures, I had to completely rework the API also. And of course, to write specs, I had to write specs for all that. And uh, so yeah, I, that was probably two or three weeks worth of work, believe it or not. It was, it was non-trivial. So do you think that this is a feature that, that people were asking for directly, or it's a feature that sort of indirectly solves a number of requests that people had that maybe uh, they didn't understand what the issue was? You could easily argue that um, the, the previous implementation was buggy, mm -hmm. and it was leading to a lot of customer confusion, and that this was a redesign and re-implementation to solve that, and that it's not really adding anything new in the way. I think it is adding something new in that you are, you now have a reliable way of seeing the, the processes that are running. Um, before, you didn't have any way of seeing actually seeing how many processes you had running side, or that were, how many running sidekicks you had. Um, and now you do. So... It, it is a new feature in that sense. Cool. All right, what's what's next on our list for 3.0? Um, uh, Lifecycle events. So you can attach a block of code to run when Sidekick starts up uh, and when it shuts down and when it quiets. And that's I, uh, that was put in because um, the status page guys asked for a way to flush metrics when Sidekick shut down. Hmm. 
they they had a uh, they they were spawning a celluloid actor to uh, push I think I assume Liberato metrics or something like that uh, to StatsD, and uh, but they didn't have any way of shutting it down and flushing that last intervals worth of metrics, and so uh, they were they were hacking something together and. Uh, so I just threw that in because it was it was actually um, pretty quick, you know, a dozen, two dozen lines of code, right. and uh, and maybe a night's work worth of work. So that one was really easy to get in, and uh, that's a, that's an example of where I just got customer feedback and said, yeah, that's that's easy to do. I'll throw that in. So that brings up a, a good question about how sidekick development happens with the community. So of all the features that we're going to talk about for three O, how many were contributed by the community directly versus, um, you know, inspired by or maybe maybe stubbed by the community? Yeah, how, how, how's that going? Uh, a lot of them are, are in, inspired but not actually implemented. Um, I, I, I definitely work with people to, uh, to do PRs, but I tend to be um, such a tornado of, of activity around Sidekick that... Uh, you know, in the case of the uh, the lifecycle events, uh, Scott Klein uh, submitted a PR to do it, and and I just I could implement it so much faster than trying than sort of doing the the round trips with him to review it and get feedback and and have him make changes um, that I I simply asked him per- permission if I could just implement it really quick myself. Um, that was a case where because it was so simple to implement. You know, a dozen lines of code that, um, you know, it, it wasn't really worth the time of just waiting for that that review cycle. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, uh, you know, John Hyman uh, submitted the sharding stuff, and uh, I reviewed the API, and we went back and forth a little bit, uh, but in the end, in the end, I took what he had given me as sort of user feedback and I wrote the I made the changes myself to do that a lot of times um, people will will submit PRs but they don't they don't have backwards compatibility necessarily in mind they're not thinking about how this might affect uh, third-party extensions and that sort of thing so you know, it, it, there's a surprising amount of complexity to think about. Sometimes even adding the simplest features to Sidekick, and that's that's why it's it's um, that's why there's a lot of review. Uh, why I tend to give a lot of review feedback and and be very particular about the way things are implemented. So if um, if you had it your way, would people submit their requests as issues then, or as PRs that you end up rewriting anyways? Which which well, which is better? Well, I prefer people to submit issues, and that way we can talk about the feature. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, there's reasons why I just I don't want the feature at all. Um, I, I and I've been that upfront with people at times. Um, there there are some things that are appropriate for core sidekick, and some things that are not, and and that's a judgment call that that I have to make as the benevolent dictator. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, the other issue is that you know sometimes you just want to talk about how things are going to be implemented, um, and 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 caveats for them to be aware of if they decide that they do want to implement it themselves. So you know that's that's why I like to to start the uh, 
start the work with a, a conversation first, and that way they, they don't go too far down the road of, hey, I'm just going to implement this and throw it over, because, because those concerns that I mentioned before can have a huge effect on how things are implemented. I think it's good to hear that feedback from you, because, so I've submitted, I don't know, maybe two or two or three small PRs before to Psychic, and and I think that, like, my line of thinking is that I think it's a little rude. I, I, I get concerned that it'd be rude of me to, like, throw an issue your way without a potential solution. Um, <clears throat> but but I, I, it's, it's good. It's interesting to hear that you'd rather sort of mm-hmm. spend the time talking about it and that that's actually well, better than, you know, someone doing the work. It's, there's, there's a, um, you know... Nothing talks better than code, right? So if if you're if you're saying, "Hey, I want to make this change to the code," and here's a paragraph as to why, that's fine. But if you just submit me a PR that makes exactly the change you want, yeah. and and hit you know send or open or whatever, um, sometimes that can take you less time, and and yet still get a, convey the same message to me. Um, and so either one is, is fine with me. I, I just, I don't want to be rude in just closing a PR because I know people have made an effort to actually make this change. To me, opening an issue is, is quick and easy and is just talk. So I feel better about saying, oh, here's, here's some issues that I think you might not be aware of this, this, and this, um, you know, if you're okay with all of that, then go ahead and submit me a PR um, otherwise, I can close this. But if people submit me a PR, I'm kind of like, okay, well, they've actually put an effort into diving into the code, understanding how to implement it, that sort of thing. Then I, I think it's kind of rude to close it without, uh, without a lot more sort of back and forth review and, and explaining why, maybe why I don't necessarily want this or, or why I think it's implemented uh, incorrectly as is. I think the topic is interesting because it brings up how how much open source is about, about, um, communication and relationships and, <laughs> and trust and, and, uh, and only a bit about the code because it certainly is. And, you know, I, I think everyone has the same concerns, right? You don't want to waste other people's time. You don't want your time wasted. You don't want to be rude. You don't want others to be rude. You know, it's, it's interesting. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's, there's still, I mean, we're social animals as much as we don't like to pretend we are, as much as us coders like to be uh, uh, cowboy coders, maybe. But yeah, I mean, GitHub is social coding, right? So there's the social part of of everything there. And uh, anytime two people are interacting, there's going to be etiquette, there's going to be implied meaning versus explicit meaning, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that you made the point pretty well a minute ago that... um well, you were pretty explicit about what your preferences are. And I think that actually clears up a lot as long as everyone knows where everyone else is coming from. It's not that, yeah. it's not that confusing. I, I, I love when people open issues, frankly. Um, you know, some people contact me via Twitter, and, and I just tell them, please open an issue. Um, it's, an issue is not a bug. It's not you saying there's something wrong with Sidekick. It's you saying, I have a question that I... That, and, and by you having a question... Um, I've sort of failed in documentation, you know. If my documentation was good enough, you would not have that question that you'd need to still ask of me. 
So um, I have no problem when people open issues, as long as they've made some effort to, to actually read the manual. <laughs> right. Um, that that uh, it, it does irk me when people open issues for the most basic things. But, you know, that's all part of just supporting an open source project. You're going to get some people that, that have uh, great questions, and you're going to get some people that, that just don't read the manual. But, you know, that's that's life. So let's talk about the manual for a minute since you brought it up. I think that Sidekick's uh, documentation is is pretty excellent, and it, it seems to improve a little bit in every every month. How big of a focus area has that been for for you, and how much of your time goes to <clears throat> documentation versus the the actual development? Uh, documentation, I think, is one of Sidekick's um, unsung uh, positives or advantages over other projects. Um, so many projects just have a README. And maybe sometimes it's not even a very good README. Um, but I, I think the Sidekick Wiki is uh, really uh, kind of an, an amazing work for open source in that it breaks down the various areas that people may be interested into you know, smaller pages that cover just that topic. And, and I, I did that, uh, and I try to do that, I try to be very clear and, and document very well without getting mired way down deep into the weeds. I, I've seen other message queuing systems, for instance. You know, they're, they're getting started page. You, you click into getting started, and then they start talking about topics and queues and, and all these, <clears throat> all these uh, very sort of abstract concepts that immediately just leave you confused. And, and I, try to, I explicitly tried to avoid that with the Sidekick documentation. Um, try to be very clear and very uh, high level about uh, what Sidekick is, what it can do, and how you can use it. Do you find it easy to, to um, put yourself in the beginner's mind uh, for Sidekick? Mm -hmm. Or at this point, is that, is that <clears throat> totally unreachable? <laughs> It's probably getting harder and harder, that's for sure. Uh, but I am, a, I am a Rails developer also. And so, you know, I, I support it. I build a website every day at work. And so I, I kind of understand uh, the Rails developer mindset. And that's, you know, that's who Sidekick really is targeted at, is, uh, is being Rails' sidekick. So, uh, but yeah, there's there, there's there's still some of the some of the documentation still has to be a little more theoretical. Things like best practices, uh, item potency, that sort of thing. Uh, you can't you kind of can't avoid those topics. Um, you got to ask the the user to step up and, and sort of understand these critical subjects um, because it is important just to job processing in general. Well, I think on, on item potency specifically, that's, you know, if they're not familiar with it, they're going to get familiar with it pretty quick with Psychic. <laughs> so <laughs> one way or another. Yeah, um, maybe so. I sort of think that, I think that Sidekick is, um, I think it's like a great consultant for, like a, a, a robot consultant for finding the race conditions in your code. Or... <laughs> You know, it's like if you just move a job into into Sidekick and then let it go, you're going to find all these problems that you didn't even know existed before. And I, I think that's actually a good thing. I think it can frustrate people when they're new to Sidekick a little bit. But yeah, well, the the Sidekick 
<clears throat> Psychic really helped. Uh, where, where it helped at the climb is by introducing Sidekick, we really got a lot more confidence in the thread safety of our code mm-hmm. and the thread safety of the gems we were using. Uh, because Sidekick has that retry queue, if you have a thread safety issue which raises an exception, it's just going to go into the retry queue and it's going to retry later. And, and so that having that sort of net while doing this trapeze act really made us a lot more confident that we could emerge unscathed when we first rolled out Sidekick two years ago. Um, and, then when we, and then we rolled out Puma, multi-threaded Puma, uh, two months ago. And we were, we were a little bit cautious and worried about thread safety issues. But because we had been running Sidekick for two years and had the same development team during that time, and, and the development team had become aware and been much more confident about their ability to write thread-safe code because they had been writing Sidekick jobs, um, we found that we, we had no thread safety issues whatsoever when rolling out Puma and, and the website uh, running the website code. So Sidekick yeah. really has been instrumental to uh, to sort of proving the thread safety of code um, to us and I think to the Rails community in general. Yeah, it's, it's had that benefit for me, for sure, uh, as yeah. much as anything. So on, on the Puma topic, just to take a quick aside, mm-hmm. um, I didn't... I haven't heard of a lot of, you know, larger web applications on Puma in production. Has that... Can you just tell us a little bit about that that process? How smooth has it been? Has it gotten you the benefits that you expected? Any huge gotchas that that are uh, worth talking about? <clears throat> well, I, I mean, it had the the huge advantage where our memory consumption halved overnight from from Unicorn. So we we had we would have like I think we had thirty workers Unicorn workers per box. So you're talking about thirty gigs of memory. Um, after after uh, you know a few hundred requests, right? You're talking about a, a gig process for each, for each uh, unicorn, and that's that's horribly inefficient. So we uh, we decided to uh, to move to Puma, and what we did is we started with a hybrid concurrency of two threads and 15 workers instead. So we would still have the net of 30 workers but uh, spread in, into 15 processes instead of 30. And, uh, and that's worked out, that worked out really well. That allowed us to get some memory efficiency without having to be so multi-threaded. We were trying to minimize our chances of thread, thread safety issues. So we didn't just jump into like you know, 20 threads per process. We started off with two. Where are and you now? Us, uh, I think we're up to five, five threads. Um, which I think we're happy with. We'll probably stay right there. I think we've got 10 processes and five threads each now, so 50 workers per box. Uh, and that, and, and that, so that gives us more capacity than before, yet with less memory, which is great. Um, the, the only issue we ran into with Puma was uh, an issue with Bundler, where with the hybrid model, if we tried to do uh, hot restarts, no downtime restarts. Uh, the Puma wasn't reloading the gem file correctly, so that if you're 
if you deployed a new version of your application that had an updated gem file with new gems or new different versions, those new gems or versions wouldn't be active in the in the the new the new the new child process. Uh, you actually had to shut down Puma and then restart it completely. So actually, Evan was awesome. He actually paired with our developer um, to to actually fix the bug um, a couple weeks ago. So that's that's the kind of incredible support that uh, really makes me happy to see and really proud to to say we're a Puma customer or a Puma user. Yeah, it's good to hear. I, it's sort of on my list, and I think a number of other people's lists to to maybe give a shot at this year. You know, because the benefits are pretty obvious and. Just the, yeah. early on, I, I I had I think I still have one app that's on um, Puma and had gem compatibility challenges in a couple places and and got a little gun shy. Uh, right. But. Well, I think I think Puma is pretty widely used in Heroku, where you've got a lot more uh, memory con- where you're a lot more memory constrained. So people will frequently run Puma, uh, you know, a single process, but with twenty threads. Right. And that way, that way, they get some some good concurrency uh, without having to uh, to pay for a lot of dynos. Yeah. So let's talk about. I think that there are a few other three O features, but I'll I'll link to the uh, the announcement you put up so we can talk about Sidekick Pro two point Sure. Um, yeah. They, well, uh, now that three O's shipped and out the door, um, the uh, my my thoughts have turned to to Pro two point Um and just to give people sort of a very quick overview of Psychic Pro, um, Psychic takes a lot of time. And if I was doing this for free, I probably would not still be doing it. I probably would not be maintaining the, the project anymore. Um, that's a common pattern in open source project is, is that the maintainer starts a project, he works on it for six months or a year, and then just gets overwhelmed with support and doesn't want to waste his time anymore. Um, helping strangers. So um, when I started Sidekick, I said, how can I make this thing viable long-term? And the best way I could think of doing it was to to actually get income from it. And so, uh, you know, I, I've played a bit with different models, selling licenses and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, I think uh, selling a product or selling an extension that has additional really cool features um, is a win-win both for people uh, wanting to upgrade and get, get those features f- for use in their own application and, and to support me so that I can continue working on Sidekick and can continue putting out Sidekick 3. So I've been doing Pro for you know a year and a half now, and uh, it's gone really well. I'm really happy with uh, the uptake so far. Has it exceeded your expectations or met them, or had you, had you not thought about it all that much? I'm, I'm actually right about where I'd, I'd hoped to be. Um, believe it or not, that's great. I think uh, it continues to ramp up in sales, which is which is awesome. Um, I continue to see uh, more and more sales each week, which is great. Uh, what what has uh, it's it's really just been very educational to me, um, simply because no one else is really doing it. it. It's I'm off in the weeds here, and I've got no one to. No one to follow, no one's example to follow. So I'm I'm making mistakes and I'm trying to fix them. And uh, 
maybe I'm a trailblazer because I know I know some people have reached out to me privately saying they want to they want to do the same thing and uh, asking for tips and you know how do I do it and that sort of thing so so in preparing for this conversation I was reflecting a little bit about how or on how I feel about about Sidekick Pro so mm-hmm. for full disclosure I'm a I'm a Sidekick Pro customer have been for I don't know some amount of time maybe nine months or something. And like, if you asked me how I would feel about something like Sidekick Pro, I think I'd be black and white against it. Um, yet, yet I haven't been against it clearly cause I, cause I support it. And I, I wonder what, I wonder what's going on there. Cause I think I've talked to other people that feel similarly. And I think maybe it has something to do with you that you, you know, you've got a, you're so in control of Sidekick that, and and it's it's sort of worked out well that that maybe it just seems like a reasonable deal that you know give you a bit of money and you stay in complete control of the project. Whereas for a lot of people that wouldn't, a lot of maintainers wouldn't want that control, or or maybe the community wouldn't want them to have that control anyways, even if they did. Well, uh, you know, again, there's there's millions of open source projects that are 100% community owned, and 99% of them are sitting with tumbleweeds in them. No one's maintaining them. Um, the, the reality is it's just these kinds of projects need active maintenance. And who's going to do that maintenance? Uh, and, who, and who has the vision and the knowledge to make sure that maintenance is done well? For, for something like the complexity of Sidekick, and then ensuring backwards compatibility and ensuring that um, um, stability and that sort of thing, you need continuation of maintenance over years. So to have someone step up and work on it for six months and then have someone else step up and work on it for six months, I think uh, you're going you're gonna to find that to be a little bit rougher in terms of bugs and people making mistakes and, and, uh, and learning. But, uh, but having someone who is the original author and, and sort of visionary for what the project does, um, there, there's, there's a huge amount of benefit to that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I it's get, not, it's not to be discounted. Yeah. I definitely get that. And I, I think that, you know, where I've decided I, I sort of come down on psychic pro is that, it's a unique situation for the reasons you just expressed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the model would work for other projects or not. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't, but it seems to work for Psychic. I, I, you know, I would be a hundred percent in favor if DHH, instead of being a partner at 37 signals, just started selling rails, you know, and said, this is, this is uh, going to cost you $2,000 a year. And I, I because I know we get $2,000 of value out of it every year. And I know <laughs> yeah. hundreds and thousands of companies around the world do too. So I, I think um, open source has a lot of value. But, and, and, we, and by maintaining it and adding features to it, we're increasingly adding more and more value to it. And yet we're not seeing any, any compensation for that value. And, and so... I've got hundreds of customers now, and and never do I hear anything bad. Of course, I, I, I doubt that people that hate Pro are actually going to buy it, but um, but a, 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 almost all of my customers are very positive 
and, and saying things like, we love Sidekick and we just want to support, we want to continue your, um, the project and support you in that I, effort. I think the reluctance that I have in general about the model, and this isn't really about Sidekick, but mm. is that, you know, I think one of the powers of open source is that it's independent largely of the commercial world. And right. it's, it's not beholden to companies because they don't own it directly or indirectly. And, right. you know, I think the corrupting influence of money on open source is a real, it, that's a real concern. Like, I, I don't think that that's something to be shrugged off. I, I can't, I cannot deny that I have to make a very tough call as to which features do I put into Pro versus which, pe which features do I put into Sidekick free. You know, there's, there's no way around it. I have to make that call. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm very upfront about it. I, I have to have a set of features that are an upsell, you know, that, that people will pay for. Yep. But at the same time, I'm, you know, 3.0 proves that I'm pushing a lot of really cool functionality into the free library also. So I am still working for the community um, in addition to my customers. Yeah. Because what's what's right for the community is also right for my customers. So one of the things that I think about uh, that Sidekick has done that's quite interesting is is enabled. Um, what do you call them? Plugins or extensions or whatever the add-ons are are to Sidekick. And I think it's a uh, when I, when I think about the, the, the sort of the Sidekick ecosystem, I think of the value of Sidekick, the kind of core free open source library, and then Pro, and then the the uh, set of, of add-ons that the community has made. Um, let's talk about those for, for a few minutes. What's your favorite of all of the uh, community-contributed extensions? Um, well, yeah, I mean, so the, the, the third-party gems, I'm, you know, I love them. They're actively modifying Sidekick to do the things that they, that Sidekick by itself does not do. Um, and that functionality is usually functionality that I've decided I, I don't want to put in Sidekick at this time. Um, things like unique jobs is, is very popular, but in my experience, that has it's a support nightmare, and it's extremely hard to get correct. What does unique jobs do? I don't use that one. Unique jobs is, uh, is functionality to say, like, if I push the same job to Redis three times, I'll only wind up with actually one copy on the queue. And so that's, that's so that, you know, if you're crawling a web page as fast as humanly possible, like let's say you put in a job to crawl a web page every minute, but if the queue gets backed up for some reason, you don't want to put three, three jobs to crawl that same web page. You just want to have it once. So um, what you'll do is use unique jobs to ensure that the queue only has one copy of that. But ensuring that uniqueness is just extremely, extremely difficult to do, um, especially when you've got multiple sidekick processes mm -hmm. uh, or multiple Rails processes all available, all trying to push that same job. Uh, you essentially need to do it through Lua to really guarantee correctness. And, uh, and I, I just don't want to use Lua for something like that. And like you said earlier, I mean, item potency is such like a core concept with with sidekick that fighting against it seems seems like a tricky idea. <clears throat> yeah, so th there, there's there's dragons there. So I've I've tried to uh, there, that's that's one example of just functionality where I, I've said I'm I'm not willing to tackle that that at this time. 
Um, I do like SideTick, which is a recurring job scheduler. So you can do cron in Sidekick. Um, to some extent, I, I'm just a big fan of cron itself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, why why introduce more complexity and more infrastructure when you can just use your your operating system scheduler? Uh, but Sidekick is there, uh, and it's it's an obvious hole in in Sidekick's functionality. Yeah. So if people want to use Sidekick, uh, you know, that's that's up to them. Uh, that, that's so an, yeah, it's an interesting one. So if there's one um, third-party gem that seems like the thing that maybe should be in Sidekick to me, it's that one. Yeah, and, and that's true. And I had I have considered building it. Building it. Um, if I were to build it, it, it might be it might go into Pro. I'm not sure, but Sidekick is or Sidetick is very established at this point. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people use it. Um, so for now, I've kind of backed off that, and and I'm willing to, you know, yeah. to let Sidekick Sidetick do its own thing and uh, and fulfill that that uh, that need for now. Yeah, it's quite. Yeah, I think it's quite good. It's quite well written. Yeah. I think some people don't like the Ice Cube dependency, but I think you know, us putting that aside, I think that the library is pretty pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. The um, the uh, kind of. Uh, Interesting fact is that at the climb we don't use any Sidekick uh, extensions at all. We just use the Sidekick and Sidekick Pro, um, and and <laughs> that actually may be obvious in retrospect. Simply because if if I need something at the climb, I'll generally find a way to get it into Core or into Pro. Right. Um, so a, a lot of the functionality that that has wound up there has has been directly due to our needs as a Rails application at the climb. Uh, for instance, uh, things like uh, the UI filtering. Uh, we, we had an incident where we got thousands and thousands of retries, and we simply couldn't page through all the jobs. <laughs> and, and I realized, well, I need some way of filtering these retries uh, so that I can just type in the class name of the, of the job I'm looking for. Uh, so that was a case where I I knew that we needed this functionality and I just I had to wait for Redis to actually build the, the necessary command to do it but once it did within about a week I uh, wrote the functionality to do the UI filtering mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting when I think about the you know something like SideTick that it'll be an interesting race over the next you know one or two years to see how many extensions to Sidekick that could be like in Sidekick Pro 2.0 or 3.0 or NO? Right. How many haven't been built by the community as extensions? Right. Well, I've got I've got some some ideas on Pro functionality for 2.0, but so far it's nothing. I'm not I'm not um, I'm not pulling things from the community so far. Those ideas. You know, it's not like I'm saying I'm going to build recurring scheduling or, or um, I don't know, what's another example, or, or unique jobs or something like that. Right now, there's no plans to put either of those in 2.0. Yeah. Do you have, are you talking about what your 2.0 plans are? Well, I mean, I've got, I've got some issues uh, in the issue tracker that are marked as pro that uh, were some ideas I've had over the last couple of months. Uh, things like nested batches. Uh, right now, you can't do a batch within a batch. 
Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, n no one's really asked for that. Actually, there was one person that asked for it, which is why I, I put it in. But um, it hasn't been a huge community demand, which is why I haven't sort of immediately gone out and implemented it. Um, but uh, I did take a first pass at implementing it. It was just a little tricky, so I, I backed off a little bit. But I've also got I've, one of my, my current concern right now is uh, profiling sidekicks' uh, memory usage and CPU usage and trying to get a better understanding of um, and maybe building some tools tools that allow people to do things like uh, GC profiling, uh, allocation profiling, that sort of thing within their jobs. And, and things like that will probably uh, go into pro as sort of, um, you know, for lack of a better word, enterprise type functionality. Right. So, yeah, because I've been very concerned with uh, the size of the, the sidekick process and I know our, our sidekick processes blowed up a little bit over time, and, and I'd like to understand why exactly they're doing that. Yeah, as a user, that, that's definitely on my list of things that I, I think would be good to, to, to invest in. Yeah. Because uh, I see the same thing. Things just sort of creep up. And, right. And uh, like you, I, I'm sure I know a lot less about why than you do. So. <laughs> well, I know next to nothing, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> I, it's, it's common to... Uh, in my experience, common to Active Record, and, and conventional wisdom is it's something in Active Record, Active Record that's causing uh, the, the VMs to bloat. Right. Um, but I can't, I can't confirm or deny that. So I've got my favorite. Uh, well, I want to ask you about your favorite use of Sidekick that that you've heard about or done yourself, and then I've got my own that I'll I'll tell you about because I think it's I think it's funny. <clears throat> oh golly, uh, let me think here. My favorite is I'm I'm a performance guy, so hearing people doing an insane number of jobs is uh, is usually my favorite type of story. Um, you know, it, I, I'd love I, I'd love to hear stories about people using Sidekick to save you know children in Africa or something like that, but <laughs> I just don't hear those stories. <laughs> right. Um, but what I do hear is, you know, John, John had mentioned that he does a peak of around 8,000 jobs per second. And then uh, another pro customer came back and said, oh, yeah, we do 25,000 jobs peak per second, um, which is just insane and is an order of magnitude greater than I had ever expected people to, uh, to do. Um, you know, doing a thousand jobs per second is eighty-six million jobs a day, hmm. and doing twenty-five thousand. Let's say even a twenty-five thousand uh, peak. Let's say he's doing ten thousand uh, sustained. You know, that's uh, what is that? Eight hundred and sixty million jobs a day, um, close to a billion jobs a day, which is just insane. With a single Redis. Assuming that it's not sharded, what's the what's the, like the limit? Do you think? Uh, well, John came to me saying that he was doing eight thousand jobs a second uh, peak, and he was saying he was hitting hundred hundred percent CPU at that point. Yeah. Um, meaning that the the Redis instance was just running out of out of headroom. He was he's on a bare metal machine. I don't know the specs of the actual machine, but that's a case where you want the fastest. Uh, Intel processor you can get, right? Because Redis can't use multiple CPUs. Right. So you just want the fastest single processor you can get. Um, 
so so yeah, it's 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 depending on you know what you're running on. If you're running on an, an EC2 box, uh, you know the the limit's going to be much lower. Uh, but John running on bare metal, uh, he was seeing somewhere between five and ten thousand jobs is roughly where the the limit is. Now, how how GoGoBot was the the customer doing twenty five thousand? I don't know how they were doing that because Psychic doesn't technically support um, sharding. And now it may be that they were using a custom client to push jobs to different Redis servers. Right. In which case, you know, they may have had half a dozen or a dozen different Redis instances and the sustained throughput of all of them was 25,000 per second. And in that case, that's, that's easily doable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Sidekick 3.0 now has a shardable client so that you can point different types of jobs to different Redis servers. And then <clears throat> that effectively gets you uh, unlimited scalability because now you can just have as many Redis instances as you want. Right. So my, my favorite personal use of, of Sidekick is um, we have some applications that need to do um, that that need to crawl other websites that are uh, JavaScript heavy that you need to have a browser be the you know be mm-hmm. the, the client of the website in order for it to work and you know that's kind of a pain in the butt because it's a different setup than the the rest of the server so we have we have Sidekick. Um, so we boot a version of uh, an instance of the application um, uh, in a different environment, call it in the, the crawling environment, that then connects to the production Redis or production Sidekick uh, uh, queues to get its its uh, its work, and then is like a you know a, a Mac that's browsing the web and then writes back to the database. So kind of like a does that make sense? So like. Uh, like a satellite or constellations of of these uh, these headless browsers that do a little bit of web crawling that use Sidekick to sort of keep up with what jobs they're supposed to do from the main application. Now, are they talking to Redis directly, or is Sidekick actually controlling them? Sidekick's running on like some Linux box or something, and then it's controlling the Mac. Yeah. Well, so there's the the main app. So let's say it was the climb. So the climb app, the main app, is running. Mm-hmm. It generates the jobs. So it, mm-hmm. it says, okay, you need to go crawl this web page for this or that. Right. But that application can't crawl the web page because it needs uh, it needs to be like a Mac, say, or a Windows machine. Right. Um, so then there's a, a Mac somewhere else that's uh, that's running that's connected to the um, that's connected to the production database and the production. Um, um, Redis for Sidekick, and it gets the jobs and then writes back to the the, the main application. Um, now, and and is, so is Sidekick running on that Mac, or is the Mac just pulling jobs directly off the queue without being actually Sidekick? No, no, Sidekick does. We, it, it's the exact same app. So the reason that okay. this is my favorite. favorite oh, got use it. Of okay, I, I see what you're saying. Okay, got it. So the reason it really works well is that when you develop, you're, you can develop the thing on all on your machine, and it'll work. But then when right. when we push to production, basically it goes in two directions. The main app is the the production app runs, and then we boot a Mac running in a different, like call it the the browser or the crawler environment that then um, um, kind of. Uh, is the same as it would run on your local machine, except it just does the crawling on a different machine connected to production. 
Interesting. And I think it's a super, like, it's a super great use of sidekick because, you know, you have this sort of federation of, of environments that are working together as production to get around, you know, the, these, these problems of, of crawling websites without being on a, like a native browser. Awesome. That's, that's, uh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, well, you've taken lots of time and I don't want to, I don't want to keep you from your Saturday here. Uh, anything you want to close with before we wrap up? Uh, not offhand. Uh, just thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on board and, uh, glad I could, uh, glad we could, we could talk for a little bit. Yeah, likewise. Well, on, on behalf of, uh, everyone in the Ruby and Rails community, thanks for, for Sidekick and, and for Dolly and Connection Pool and all the other things that you've done too. It's, uh, you've made a huge contribution. You bet. You're welcome.